Let's get into this. A church with hope. Hope Fellowship Distinct is part two. So today, um, oh, I, I can't do that yet because I have to do the pondering part. So the ponderings. By the way, last week I tried something new. Uh, I thought I'd save my memes and pondering slides and upload them to my Facebook page as a lot. And a lot of people seem to appreciate that because then you'd know it's going to be there. So this week I intentionally saved them, and when I get home, then I'll upload them as a post so you can see all, all of these different slides and recapture them. It's a little easier to do that than take a picture. Anyway, not that anybody does that here. <laughs> so the, these ponderings are a little more serious this week. Um, they're, they're deep. Um, not all of them are going to hit you, but these ones cause me to pause and ponder. And I think you'll, you'll like these. This has to do with those that are on the journey of unlearning. As you are shifting, you will begin to realize that you are not the same person you used to be. The things you used to tolerate have now become intolerable. Where you once remained quiet, you are now speaking your truth. Where you once battled and argued, you are now choosing to remain silent. You are beginning to understand the value of your voice. And there are some situations that no longer deserve your time, energy, or focus. I found that to be really true. Even from five years ago, let alone ten years ago, to twenty years ago, the, the energy we have spent into whatever focus tends to change as our image of God grows and becomes better and better. And I thought that was really cool. This is from Ken Tanner, uh, Kenneth Tanner. The gospel is not propaganda. It does not play with your emotions. Made me, th- made me think of camp devotions when you had to, all the counselors had to speak a certain night or certain people were given the opportunity to speak and how can you manipulate the crowd to come forward at the end? I got more people to say a prayer than you did. Oh yeah, watch what I'm going to do tomorrow night. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's crazy anyway. Uh, it does not play with your emotions or bypass your mind. It is not cohesive or manipulative. It does not induce a frightened momentary decision. The gospel is heard in the communities of patience and wisdom where your mind, will, and emotions are respected. That's, that's cool. It's just a, really made me think. I love this one from Francois. Faith is not something we do to persuade God. Faith is what happens to us when we realize how persuaded God is about us. That's really cool. I love that. Richard Rohr writes, your true self is life, being, and love. Love is what you were made for, and love is who you are. Hmm. This is longer from Richard Rohr. If love is the soul of a Christian existence, it must be at the heart of every other Christian virtue. Thus, for example, justice without love is legalism. Faith without love is ideology. Hope without love is self-centeredness. Forgiveness without love is self-abasement. Fortitude without love is reckless. Generosity without love is extravagance. Care without love is mere duty. Fidelity without love is servitude. Every virtue is an expression of love. 
No virtue is really a virtue unless it's permeated or informed by love. I thought that was really good. And Jesus said unto the theologians, who do you, by the way, this is a little bit funny, who do you say that I am? And they replied, you are the eschatological, eschatological manifestation of the ground of our being, the kirgma of which we find the ultimate meaning in our interpersonal relationships. And Jesus said, what? <laughs> That's a good reminder. Sometimes we get too heady, theological, churchy when it comes to our answers of who Jesus is. Honestly, it, the system of our, uh, of our Christian world, there are some segments and compartmentalizations of Christianity that focus on being right and having more knowledge than anyone else and more right knowledge than anyone else. And the more that goes deeper and deeper into that argument and that world, the less we live and understand the love of Christ. I really believe that. And by the way, that doesn't mean that our theology isn't important. It really is. But when that's your life and everything's about that, then you've missed the point. They have to be held in balance. I don't just read the Bible. <gasps> I read history books too. The Bible teaches me what kind of Christian I want to be. History teaches me what kind of Christian I do not want to be. Huh. I am listening to an audiobook called Do I Stay Christian by Brian McLaren. I highly recommend it. Oh my goodness. Because I'm listening to it, this triggered me. And if we begin to look at historically, what the church, what Christianity, what the name of Christian has done, we would be horrified. It, 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 it's so humbling. It brought me to tears a couple times as I was listening. And it can make you feel like, oh, then I want to give this all up. No, it's not about giving it up. It's about learning and understanding, owning it, owning your history, instead of just choosing the innocent side of things. And the second half of the book is about, okay, here's why I stay Christian. An incredible book if, if you have somebody wrestling with faith and trying to figure out, okay, I'm getting really tired of this Christian lens, this, this Western evangelicalism subculture that does not represent Jesus really. It'll expand your thinking. It really will, and it actually will give you hope. I was very intrigued by it. So anyway. Get your theology solely from Moses, and you'll pick up a rock and join the mob. Get your theology solely from Jesus, and you'll drop the rock and challenge the mob. This has to do with understanding the Old Testament versus Jesus. Powerful thought. Last one. When you choose love to love me with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and all your soul... I will teach you how to love your neighbor. When you experience intimate communion with me, you will become more and more aware that you are created in my image just like every other person on earth. You'll begin to see how deeply you are connected to all my creation. I came to save the world, the whole world, with my sacrificial love. 
My victory on the cross was for all creeds, colors, and nations of people beginning with you. That's a lot of pondering this week. It was heavy. But it's seemingly reminding me that we have a bit of a pattern here at Hope Fellowship. This is about the love of God. It's about discovering God is love, that he loves you, that you can love yourself, that takes a journey too, and then we love others. What does that look like? It's not about theology per se. It's not about, although that is all theology, it's not about correct doctrine. It's not about correct interpretation to correct translation. This is about bringing it back down to who Jesus is. Just Jesus. And some people need to go there. They're so frustrated with everything they've learned. They're, they want to throw everything out. Maybe not Jesus and then start over with Jesus. You're going to find a more hope-filled perspective for sure. I love that. Okay, devotional. Henry Nouwen, loneliness. In some conversations this week, I've forgotten and realized loneliness is a very serious issue in the church. Not just this church, every church. And sometimes we get so busy in church or our community activities because we're lonely. Maybe this devotional will remind you that there are others that are having a hard time. And if this speaks to your heart, great. I love this devotional. It is loneliness, Henry Nouwen. It is the most basic human loneliness that threatens us and is so hard to face. Too often we will do everything possible to avoid the confrontation with the experience of being alone. And sometimes we are able to create the most ingenious devices to prevent ourselves from being reminded of this condition. Our culture has become most sophisticated in the avoidance of pain. Not only our physical pain, but our emotional and mental pain as well. We do not only bury our dead as if they were still alive, but we also bury our pains as if they're not, not really there. We have become so used to this state of anesthesia that we panic when there's nothing wrong or nobody left to distract us. Boy, that's true. When we have no project to finish, no friend to visit, no book to read, no television to watch, no record to play, no sports game to watch, and when we are left all alone by ourselves, we are brought so close to the revelation of our basic human aloneness and are so afraid of experiencing an all-pervasive sense of loneliness that we will do anything to get busy again and continue the game that makes us believe that everything's fine after all. And this happens with people, people. This happens with people who don't want to be around people much. This happens in every personality type, no matter what you see on the front or on the surface. Powerful reminder. That's a long intro. This morning, we've been talking about Hope Fellowship in the last week or two. We heard a little bit from Rod, I'll remind you again of that, of some of the history of how this church came to be. We've been talking about hope since January, the first Sunday in January. 
And then we had our annual meeting last week, um, which was fun. And the, buff, the food was fun too. Um, it was just a good time to connect. But I realized that maybe it's time to be reminded of who we are as Hope Fellowship. What is it that makes us distinctive as a group? Not better than other churches. Sometimes people use the word what sets us apart from others because every church likes to be unique in their own way, and they should be. Each church gathering, small, large, who knows, has a special thumbprint that they're good at because they're loving people in their own way. You can look in and go, they're doing a terrible job, or oh, they're doing great, I want to go there, and you go. Like, you can judge all you want. But I thought this would be beneficial because we have a lot of new people watching online to kind of walk through who is Hope Fellowship. What are we really about? So the next couple weeks, that's what this is going to be. And by the way, this is the cheat notes to your membership class stuff. All right? I'm preparing it now so that you can rewatch later. So you're hearing it. But I want to do it for the group, not just for the few people that want to become members. I think it's a good thing to be reminded of. Yeah, I need the reminder. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So the body of Christ is the church, not the building. The body, you are the body of Christ. When we go to work, we're the body of Christ. When we go eat, when we sleep, when we're out doing activities, when our car breaks down, we're the body of Christ wherever we are. The church is not a building or an association. That's really important that you remember that. And it should not be a system. But in order to function in society, there is a type of system in every place, in every group, every gathering, every uh, community group, every, everything has a kind of a system built in to talk about how they're going to function and the order of things. That's not called legalism. Legalism comes into play when we say this is how you have to act in order to be accepted by God. Oh, and we're going to also imply that on you to be accepted at this place, you've got to follow these rules. That's moving into a system of legalism control. And that's the system people are running away from. I do so many funerals a year, and most of the time when they know I'm in a, a Christian officiant or minister, um, they say, well, we don't do church very much, or we're not really religious, and I usually reply, neither am I. And they go, they kind of look at me funny, they say, what? Yeah, I've been unlearning religion for the last 20 years. How long have you been a minister? 33 years. It's sort of funny, but it's true. Because the thing people are rejecting is not Jesus. They're not rejecting the true trinity. What they're rejecting is an imposter. They're rejecting what isn't true anyway. So you know what? Atheism actually is a good thing. I love atheists now. It sounds weird to say, doesn't it? But the atheism that they believe, I believe. I don't believe in that God either. I don't believe in that angry, ticked-off God. I don't believe in that God that seeks to control and manipulate and, oh, you better watch your little step. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Like, this is a Santa Claus song. Come on. Did you think about that song yet? I'm watching you. 
better not pout, you better not cry. Like, seriously, all this weird, crazy, something's watching you, elf on a shelf. Like, come on. That's the God people are rejecting. So I reject that God too. I don't believe that God exists. So yes, when we talk about atheism, I think atheism is a, um, a stepping stone to an authentic faith. I really believe that now. If it seems harsh or so weird and left wing for me to say that to you, then you're still getting to know me. <laughs> but I say that with the deepest authenticity that the God they're rejecting doesn't even exist. So I have no problem with that atheism. <laughs> I think it's actually quite beautiful. So this is an introduction, and we started the introduction last week a little bit, but let me just take you through this. The goal of everything that I'm sharing with you is this, that everyone will come to have a better understanding of who we are here at Hope Fellowship. That includes those that are new, those that have been here a long time and may have forgotten. Maybe to be reminded of, why are we here? Is it just to sit and do church? No. But if we're going to do church, we're not We're doing it based on who we are, not because some book says we have to do it a certain way. It's to get a better sense of why we meet and why we're not like other typical churches, and that's not to compare. Although in our culture, in school, everything's by comparison. That's how we learn the best. But I'm not going to be focusing on the negative differences per se. I want to share with you the good news. You can figure out the differences yourself. But previously I used to say, well, I used to believe this, and sometimes I'll still say that, but I focus on the harsh reality and knock it and then talk about what, where I'm at now. But what I failed to do is show the journey that brought me to a better hope-filled perspective and that there was value to this, which I've moved on from, and there are many people still there, and that's okay, and I don't have to hate them. I can have grace and compassion and love them where they're at instead of judging them. You're wrong, because look where I am at now. It's so easy for that to happen. Ouch, I've done it so many times. In fact, good people remind me, gently, of course, of what it can sound like sometimes. And what is the passion behind what we believe and do? I hope you'll catch that by the end of this series. Who are we? Our leadership team came up with this, and Nancy, who's watching, Nancy Premier, she helped us form this a couple years ago. A lot of meetings, but it was good. It made us think. We're a relaxed, authentic, and diverse family of believers learning to walk in the grace of God. We seek to make everyone feel welcome and accept and accept and love and care for each other. This is, this is really who we are. Relax is a big one because you can have your coffee, your chair, your McDonald's cup or, or jeans or whatever. Like, really? It's dressed in a nice outfit. There aren't any rules for that here. And that's sometimes hard, sometimes easy, but hopefully it takes away that judging of what we're wearing that can happen in some um, communities. I like the relaxed part. We're authentic. I'm not going to do fake with you. If I say something wrong and 
If I know that I said something wrong, I will come back and apologize and share, correct. And I keep telling you, don't listen to me, <laughs> right? Listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm on a journey too. I'm growing with you as a pastor. I'm not in charge of your you know, spiritual growth. Really, I'm not. You are. Why are you not feeding me, pastor? Well, lift the spoon to your mouth then. <laughs> Seriously, I make good chili. No, I'm kidding. I knew how to sneak that in. But the point is, I get to teach and share from what I've learned. And then some of you teach me where you learn from. Certain groups meet and they share what they're each learning and the community of conversation is safe because trust has been built. I love that part. Our hope is to be a place to discover how much God really loves and accepts you. I know it sounds basic, but you wouldn't believe how many times we forget how much God loves and accepts us. There's too many faulty patterns in our past, triggers that make us feel like our behavior affects God's care and love of us when it doesn't. And now I know that can be really, that, how is that possible? The more you grow in your understanding of who God is, you'll discover that. Those things will fall off. Looking back, we talked about the heartbeat of Hope Fellowship. Rod shared kind of the early stages of the birth of Hope Fellowship, which is really good, really quite helpful. We've been growing ever since. Natural product of grace, leaving a carbon grace footprint. I thought that was cool. We met in a daycare in the beginning. At least when I showed up, they were in a daycare. We heard the other places before. And then we went to a shopping mall. Well, I missed the slogan that we used to say. Our slogan is shop and pray. <laughs> the men pray while the women shop. Dear God, stop her. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. That's a joke. But now we're in another church. So this is where we've been. Our location doesn't define who we are. It just shows where we live. And originally, we were invited here to St. James to come live with them. And I love that warmth of the original invite. That was really beautiful. There's no divide between the spiritual and everyday. We're not separated from the world. We're not separated from the world. Secular and Christian is an illusion. I grew up believing that you know, there's Christian music and there's secular music. And depending on your pastor, youth pastor, you have to burn all your records and cassettes. And you buy them back if you really like them. Oh, then you get another guilt. Okay, burn them all. I went through a lot of money. That was expensive. I know. The Pentecostal church parking lot. The big burning of, oh my goodness. Like seriously. Can you see what that can do to traumatize people? People... I saw a post this past week on um, this, that type of faulty faith has led to so much PTSD in the church. And a lot of people suffer from it and don't even know it. Um, casual dress, haha. Not putting on of airs. We're not trying to appear better than we are. We're accepting of where we are and where others are at right now. Which also means... We don't judge others, and we beg, don't judge us. If, we're, if you think we're supposed to act a certain way, don't judge us for that. Like, who made that expectation? 
Really, people come with a list of expectations. There's some are good, but I'm begging people to ditch their expectations and start over. If you're going to be part of us, your, your first job is just to get to know people. We don't even let people serve in positions and roles until they've been here like half a year. Other places may say, well, first day here, welcome here. Why don't you sign this line and where would you like to serve next week? <laughs> right, Dave and Jen? <laughs> yes. Actually, Hope Fellowship did that to them here. <laughs> They were the youth leaders within five days of arriving here. That's really funny. We have changed, okay? (laughs) This needs to become a safe place to heal. In fact, we've become a church where the hurt and burned church have latched on for a time of healing, reflection, and safety to not have to sign up for anything but just come and be healed and they can go back to wherever they want to if they want to or whatever. I think it's beautiful. Pretty good coffee. Yeah, pretty good. I got to do a shout out to Megan Shaw. She has been bringing her, she works at Starbucks, and uh, the idea of her, her coffee that she brings, she donates it, and I grind it up, and she likes it better than mine. But anyway, um, we'll forgive her. Um, but coffee is a joke, and yet it's fun. Some people really like it. I joke about coffee and chili. It's the only two things I'm good at. And so I'm not always serious. You know that by now. But there's a sense of warmth, and that's why even our sign up front has a coffee cup. Because there's something pleasant about a nice cup of hot beverage, whether it's tea or coffee. A lot of tea drinkers here, too. I know, strange. But anyway, go ahead and enjoy it. Um, But the language is of peaceful interaction. It sets a tone versus us versus them. I appreciate the previous pastor that was here, Pastor Hans, at the Lutheran Church. When we did a tour through the building, um, we saw the, the, the main kind of a stand pulpit thingy on the main level. And then there was this stairway up to this higher, really nice wooden place where they used to preach from. And he, he stopped using it. He'd been here like 19 years. He wanted to be part of the people. He didn't want to be above them. Because being put up high gives the illusion of a superiority of closer to God. And if you believe God to be up there, then technically you're right. Because he's higher. (laughs) That was sort of funny. But anyway. But because we know Christ is in us and dwells among us, I thought that was really important. I thought even here, I, I want people to feel comfortable knowing that None of us are better than the other. I haven't got it all together. You haven't got it all together. Every, every time I have coffee with somebody, I find out, yep, that's true. <laughs> you know, and we're real. And I think that's really, really helpful. We value hospitality. Perks, coffee. I mean, perks can be enjoyed free. There are monetary needs, but you give when you're ready. No urgency when you come. You come when you're ready. So there's this, even our giving mindset. You know, we're not going to pummel you over the head with finances. We're not going to lay on a guilt trip and a rule trip of you must tithe because the Bible says so. We're going to actually show you what the New Testament does teach on giving. And it doesn't look anything like the guilt trip that we've been taught in the past. Even the thing I used to teach. I remember having a board meeting at a Christian Missionary Alliance church. I had just become a senior pastor and was pretty excited and gung-ho to go. And I sat down and said, okay, guys, I had a board meeting. I'm going to teach on tithing for the next few weeks. Oh, 
three of the guys said, all right. And the one guy said, so where's that in the New Testament? Oh, it's there. Trust me. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. I get it. Trust me. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm really sure it's there. The very next week, after doing some diligent study, went, oh, it's not there. In fact, at all. It refers to nothing like what we have been taught. And yet, there is a more free, freeing way of it teaching that that has blown my mind. See, money can be a control issue. If you guilt people into giving and how the giving connects you to God, because my pastor growing up told me that if I get a flat tire, God's going to get his money because you didn't give on Sunday. Or something breaks down, God's going to get you. You know, that's, see, God knows how to get his money. I didn't know the mechanic was God. But anyway, it's just really, the mindsets that have changed over the years, looking back and comparing them, it's embarrassing. Like even the songs that we did this morning, I think some of the theology in those songs are far better than what we've been singing today in other songs. Really. That was really cool. I noticed that today. That was really, really neat. We're good humored. At least we think so. Humor is encouraged even when we're discussing serious things. I know while we were singing some of the songs, I got a little distracted. <laughs> Aaron said, Mike, that was bad. I had my tablet here. I'm at the back, and the sun comes in. I'm trying to hit Brent's face, the side of his face the whole time. He's not catching on. He's typing away because I asked him, you saw on the wall. So I hit Chris's face. She wasn't catching on. Then I tried to get over to Scotty. Wouldn't quite reach. And then... You may be seated. Oh, shoot. So I had to run up here. That's when Aaron said, that was bad. ADHD. Look, a squirrel. Okay, I'm sorry. I like to have fun. That's why if I'm not the speaker, I'm in the back row. <laughs> yeah, anyway. We're lighthearted and encouraged, encouraging to each other. We're not formal. We're not rigid. We don't hold on tightly to ritual. We call out the regulars that show up late. <clears throat> especially on time change, which is four weeks away. Yes. We're having supper, and it's still daylight. I love it right now. Anyway, but I like this idea of not rigid, um, something that Rod has said for years, um, just to remind us. Because Hope Fellowship, when I got here, there was, there was 21 people. And that included my family and friends we brought <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So there's four and five. <laughs> anyway, that was the very first Sunday in a small classroom. And we grew. We ended up, the gym being full over time. And then we moved to the outlet mall and kept growing. And then a time came where things kind of paused and then began to decline and shift because life changes for people. And so we went through a lot of changes with our guidelines and our bylaws. And Rod has always said, hey, these rules are here to serve us. When they cease to serve us, we change the rules. That's a really important foundation for a church to have because I don't know of any other church that has that kind of blunt honesty so we don't become rigid even with our documents. There's some things you have to have, but when it comes to how we function, if we're smaller, we change and adjust for how we are. For as we grow and go, however we are, that's 
We change as we go. I think it's really important to be reminded of that. So thank you, Rod. But our life challenges, we want real, defined growth. Life is a journey, and we're helping each other along. We view new folks and those that attend regularly with an open-hand mindset, which Rod talked about last week. We are thrilled when you come, sad when you go, maybe happy for one person. No, just kidding. But just, you know what I mean? Like, it's the open hand. Because for me as a pastor, who is a people pleaser, okay, that's my flesh. I like pleasing people. And I've gotten in trouble for giving too much attention to somebody. Somebody else comes, give them attention, then they feel left out and they leave because I'm not a real friend, I'm not authentic. And you name it, like, you wouldn't believe the stuff. Oh, my goodness. The expectations. When I stopped or lessened pleasing each person and meeting everyone else's expectations because it drains you, I started to have a little more peace. And Hope Fellowship gave me the chance to practice that, learn that, and I'm still learning it. But that's how we all tend to function and need to function as a really neat church. Our vision Healed and whole people who are free to be themselves in Christ. But it doesn't say anything about programs or church size or, no, it doesn't. We're here for you as an individual. That you grow. That you walk in freedom. That you learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Not the voice of the pastor or the voice of a document that talks about doctrine. You and the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, expectations change. There's a lot more freedom in that. And for anybody that's more controlling or wants to control things, that's tough. I didn't think I had a lot of that. Whatever bit I did, I'm still having to let go. We all have it in some way. We like to control our environment and things. It's really hard to surrender that. But that's the way of love. That's the way of Jesus. Our mission, to help people understand, believe, and experience the love of God. Three key things. Help people to understand, to believe, and experience. Experience is critical. There's no way to not experience it and grow in it. That's a big topic. Our values. What time is it? Ooh, next week. I'm going to cover our values and then I'm going to get into what I think is really fun. The things that make, that are unique to us. Uh, and there's 10 things of teachings that we have shifted and focused on that have been really exciting of what we believe. It's not our statement of faith, but it's pretty close. You know, if, if, for those that are looking for it. But you need to know where we're coming from. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So hopefully that gave you a little bit of insight into who we are and what we're about and where we're going in the next two weeks. Uh, I think it's going to, I think I can pull it off in two weeks and just kind of walk through. This is a different kind of church and it's not the expense of another one. This is just who this is. We don't need to compare. I champion and cheer on other places that I think are great too. We're one body. Good grief. Let's stop spitting at each other and kicking each other in the shin. <laughs> Let's pray. Can you take me to the um, final slide before the final announcements? Yeah, all right. <sighs> Heavenly Father, show us this morning how you live in us, 
Remind us how much you love us. For those who have forgotten, be gentle. Heavenly Father, we as a church have not arrived. We're still learning. Still growing. Not necessarily in numbers, but growing in our understanding of God's love for us and others. Make it real in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Reminders. Um, Wednesday morning, still growing grace. Uh, have a different one this, this time. The last four weeks have been on debunking this divine command theory thing, which is really deep and really good. I thought it was great. But this week, uh, I'm uh, in a discussion with a group of people on a Facebook page called Jesus Unchained. And it's about a safe place for deconstruction. The word's still used and still fine. But uh, there are, uh, three of them are Canadians, and we're having discussion over what the group is about and the different stories from different people. I think it's really good, um, but that's, that's what's coming up on Wednesday. And then the following week, uh, I'm interviewing Catherine Toon, who has written a, a new book. Um, and it comes out in March, but that'll be the week after. You're going to like that one too, especially when you see the title and hear about the book. It's, it's really good. I read it. I actually read it. It's good. It's really good. It's like, that's a great sermon series for me. <laughs> um, when we put chairs away today, if you have a stack, don't slide them over. I'll hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Okay. Thank you. And then uh, we'll see you next Sunday in person. And we don't have to register for that uh, movie night yet. Um, that'll be coming soon. So thank you, everyone. Thanks for online for watching. And Whole Fellowship, thank you. Have a great week.